0: Well, good morning. Let's uh, get into the Word of God. Next week, we uh, finish our series called Villains. This is uh, part four of the series. Pastor Daniel did a great job last week. If you missed it, go on, listen to the podcast. It was fantastic just to hear him try to talk about sex. That was just the, the highlight for me. Um, and the prop that he used. So um, you, just have, you just have to, if you're like, what? You had a prop, You had a prop. Uh, so. You have to go back and listen to the podcast to understand that or, or go on social media and you can, you can see what that was. Next week, we finish the series. I hope you'll be here next week as we finish the series. If you've ever um, dealt with discouragement, uh, which would be, I think, all of us. If you've ever dealt with discouragement, you, know, like you go back and it doesn't happen. You go back again, it doesn't happen. You go back again and you just get wore down and tired. Next week, I'm going to talk about... That I'm going to talk specifically, I'm going to give you next week two words that I think will change everything for you. Just two simple words I'm going to give you next week. But today, uh, we are continuing our Villains series, and so if you have a Bible, let's go to Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah is in the Old Testament, so if you have a mobile device uh, and you don't have a Bible on your phone, just go to corechurch.com, you can download a Bible there. Or if you want a free Bible, we'll give give you one right after service, they're right up here at the front, or you can go to the Next Steps room afterwards, and, and we'll make sure you get one. Uh, I'm reading out of the NLT, the New Living Translation, so when you, you look that up, uh, and let me, as you're looking up Nehemiah, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 4, let me give you some background of what this story is all about and what's happening. The, the walls in Jerusalem, at this time the, the people of Jerusalem have been carried off into captivity. Uh, Pastor Daniel did a great job of talking about that last week of how they'd been carried off into captivity, and they'd taken the best of the best to do that. And they'd left these people behind in Jerusalem, and the walls were just uh, annihilated from the the wars and the captivity. And the walls had been down for over a 100 years. And many times they tried to rebuild the walls, and they just completely failed. And this guy named Nehemiah, he is in captivity, and he is the cupbearer to the king. And his brother and a friend come to him, and he says, hey, how's it going back home in Jerusalem? And they say, not good. It's not good at all. And they paint this picture of how devastating it is for the people. And Scripture tells us that Nehemiah just wept over that situation. And God birthed a dream in him to go back and to rebuild those walls. And so he asked the king. king said, yes, I'll, I'll let you go. It's an incredible story. I encourage you to read through the book of Nehemiah. It's an amazing, amazing story. And he goes back, and he rebuilds these walls in just 52 days. It's one of the most amazing um, miracles uh, in all of Scripture that he could do that. But in, but in the middle of that, he came up against a villain. And we meet this villain in the story, and we hear a lot about him in chapter 4. So I want us to read about the villain today. And here is his name, Sanballat. Sanballat was very angry. When he learned that we were rebuilding the wall, he flew into a rage and he mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Samaritan army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? And Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, hey, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. this is Nehemiah talking. He says, Then I prayed, hear us, O God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. And at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites and the parasites heard that the work okay you see if you' paying attention heard that the work was uh, going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired. They were furious, and they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. And then the people of Judah began to complain, "The workers are getting tired. There's so much rubble to be moved. We're never going to be able to build this wall by ourselves." Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we're going to swoop down on them, we're going to kill them, we're going to end their work. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they're going to come from all directions, they're going to attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families, armed with swords, spears, and bows. And and then I looked over the situation and I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and I said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy, remember the Lord who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Father, for your word today, we thank you. It is truly a gift, and we are so grateful for it. And I pray in these moments that we have uh, to share together that you would just speak to us. I'm going to ask you, church, to pray for those around you. Uh, You might know, might not. You don't have to pray out loud, but just ask that God would speak to them today. We need the prayers of of one another. And then pray that God would remove all distractions from yourself. He has a message that he wants to speak to you. And and then pray for me as your pastor that I'm going to be faithful. I'll be faithful to this text and to the scriptures that God has given to us today. If you're ready to hear from the Lord, in Jesus' name, give me a big amen. What is your dream? What, What is it that... You have in your heart that you want to do, that you want to see accomplished in your life. Maybe sometimes you're afraid to share with others because it's just such a crazy dream. But, but what's your dream? I think every one of us universally, whether we want to admit it or not, we deep down inside we have dreams. Uh, sometimes our dreams are just as simple as one day I, one day I just want to get married. I want, I want to have a spouse and... If you're married and maybe one day you say, man, I'm not, part of my dream is to one day have just babies and little kids running around with my last name attached to them. That's, that's my dream. Maybe your, your dream is to launch out a new business. you got this idea for a business in your head and you think, man, that's my dream. That's what I would love to do. Or maybe just go back to school or uh, or, or maybe it's to, to begin a ministry. Maybe there's a ministry God has been birthing in you that, that you see this injustice that's being done in our, our world, but it, it just seems big. It seems overwhelming to you, but, but it's a dream. It's a dream that you feel God has given to you. Or maybe your dream is just to have a healthy marriage. Maybe it's to have a, a healthy relationship as a, as a family unit. Maybe your dream is to overcome an addiction Maybe your dream is to get out of debt. I don't know. We, we all have different dreams at different stages of our lives. We have dreams, dreams that, that we want to see fulfilled, and that's where we find Nehemiah here, is God had planted a dream inside of him, and, and God plants a dream inside every single one of us. Here's what I want to say to you today. If you don't believe that, hear me. God has a dream for you. He created you, he has a purpose, he has a plan, he has a destiny, something he desires to do through you. I know you're saying, not me, there's no way, that's just for other people like Nehemiah and other great, no, God creates people because he has purposes and plans that he needs fulfilled on this earth and he wants to use you to do that. Turn to the person next to you and say, God has a dream for you. God has a dream for you, but here's the deal. We also have an enemy. There's a villain who does not want to see the hopes and the dreams and the plans and the purposes that God has for you fulfilled, and he'll do anything to stop those dreams from becoming a reality. That's what's happening here to Nehemiah. This guy's name is Sanballat. He's a governor of the region in that area. He's a leader. He's a very wealthy man. He has a lot of control he sees Nehemiah shows up and his power is threatened because he doesn't want Nehemiah to get power restored to the people of Jerusalem because he wants power for himself. And we pick up that story again in verse 1. Let's read verse 1 again together here. It says, Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and he did what? He, he, mocked, he mocked the Jews. When, when I was um, nine years old, I, I had a paper route, newspaper route. Now, now let me back up here just a step. For those of you who don't know, this is called a newspaper. <laughs> Some of you don't know what is that, and they used to. This is crazy. I know this is weird, but they used to actually like take the news and and print it on paper, and and then they would deliver it to your door a day after the news happened. It, it's weird, I know, but that's actually how they 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 used to do it. I think they actually still do that today. Uh, and if you still have a paper that comes to your door, please don't admit that, okay? Cuz you're just saying, "Hey, I'm old." Okay, so that's what you're saying in that moment. But they I used to have a paper out when I was when I was 9 and and, and delivered the news every day to people. And it, to be honest with you, I'm not a fan of the news. Now, I know some people, you live and breathe Fox News and CNN News, and you got the Tulsa World and every other paper, and you, you examine them all. I mean, you're just all over the news. I, and and don't, don't berate me and don't come up to me after service and say, oh, you need to be watching the news, Pastor. I, I just, here's why. Because the news is so stinking negative. I mean, you, can, you turn it on for five minutes, even 30 seconds. Every, it's never like good news, is it? Like, it's a night to ten, good news. No, it's never that, okay? It's always fear-based, right? They want to try to, and they're, they're trying to um, get you to watch, and so they'll say anything and do anything to raise that fear and that concern within you and sensationalize that news just so you'll watch, have you ever been watching like a TV show, and, and then they go to the commercial break, and they're like, tonight at 10, why, your neighborhood is not safe. You're, what are you, you're like, my neighborhood's not safe? Wait, I, I was, I was going to go to bed, but I got to stay up. I, I, I'm tired, but I got to figure out what's going on. And then, and then you tune in, don't you? You tune in at 10 o'clock, and there's the reporter out in the neighborhood, and she's like, these potholes are in Tulsa neighborhoods all over the place. Be careful tomorrow morning on your commute. That's why I'm not safe? Because of a pothole? But that's the news, right? And that's what's happening here for Nehemiah. Sandballot is coming to Nehemiah, and this is exactly what he's doing to Nehemiah. He's delivering a fear-based report. He's delivering news to Nehemiah to try to get him to give up. He says in, in the next few verses, he says things like this, you're, you're going to fail, You guys are weak. You have no skills. You have no resources. You have no money. Why are you even thinking this? You failed. You tried this before, and it didn't work. It's just nothing but a big mess. That wall you're trying to build, it's a joke. I think the real villain in this story isn't Sandballad. I think the real villain in this story is the voice of failure. It's the voice of failure. If, If you're taking notes, I'd like for you to write this statement down because this is the voice of failure here. When when you step out in faith, the voice of failure will step in to meet you. When you step out in faith for your God-given dream, the voice of failure will step in to meet you. He's going to be there right on your front doorstep. You open up your door and right there is the news of the day of why you're going to fail. Oh, you think you're going to be a great mom. You think you're going to be a, a great dad. You, you think you're going to get married one day. You, th- you, you think you're going to start that business. Oh, you think you're going to do that, that ministry, and you step out your front door, and there is the enemy right there on the front porch ready to meet you with all the reasons of why you're going to fail. And every time that Nehemiah laid a brick, the enemy was right there with another reason why he was, he was going to fail. And, and that voice of failure... The voice of failure, failure rarely travels alone. In fact, Ballot had buddies, did he not? He had Tobiah. And, and in verse 3, Tobiah said this, hey, that, that stone wall, had collapsed if even a fox walked along the top of it. This, this is the voice of failure. The, the voice of failure, in fact, the voice of failure loves to carpool. Let me give you an example of that. The voice of failure rarely travels alone. Have you ever been by yourself, and the, and the voice of failure shows up? And he doesn't just show up with, with one word, but he shows up with a lot of words, and you have all of these, these voices in your head, do you not, of why you're going to fail? He shows up every day, and he, he delivers all, all kinds of news to you. Oh, you know what? You try that, <laughs> you're going to look stupid. Stupid step out and do that, you're going to look stupid, and then another voice comes into your head and says, man, you do that, nobody's going to care, nobody's going to help you. You're going to try that ministry, guess what, <laughs> ain't gonna, nobody's going to care about that, nobody's going to want to get involved, nobody's going to be a part of that, and then, you think you're going to do that? You ain't got no talent, you ain't got no skills, you know who you are? You're going you're gonna to fail, and you're going to fail miserably he that'll never work (laughs) that thing you're trying that ain't that is that's never gonna work on and on and on goes you ain't got no money you ain't got no resources you're not gonna make it over and over again keeps delivering news nobody's gonna help you nobody's gonna be involved you you here's a big one you failed before you failed before what makes you think you're gonna actually be able to do it this time the interesting thing about the voice of failure is the voice of failure all, oftentimes comes as the voice of yesterday. Not just voices for what's happening right now, but all of the things from your past. And he shows up, and the voice of failure has even more things that he wants to deliver, like talks to you about a parent. A parent who said to you, you never, you're never going to amount to anything. Now they may not have. Verbalize that, but the message that was delivered to you is you're never gonna amount to anything. Sometimes it's a it's the voice of a teacher from your past who says, You're never gonna succeed. And that voice, when you go to step out and that dream that God has for you, that voice comes into you and says, You're you're just not gonna make it. Sometimes it's a it's a former boss. I had that happen to me one time, a former boss who came to me in the radio industry and said, You don't have what it takes. You need to go do something else. You'll never make it. On and on and on. It could be a sibling, it could be a friend that says to you, you know what? Nobody's ever gonna love you. You're not lovable. Nobody likes you. Nobody cares about you. You're going to be alone. On and on and on. Sometimes it's an ex-spouse or, a, or an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend who says, man, you're, you're worthless. You're worthless. Nobody cares about you. It's, it's a coach. A coach, when you tried out for that team who said, you ain't got no talent. You need to go do something else. On and on and on, these voices of failure keep coming at us over and over again. And the, and the voice of failure from the past will lay dormant until you step out. And when you step out, you awaken those voices, those voices that you start hearing in your mind. And let me give you, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want to give you three mistakes that I think we make. These are three mistakes I think we make. When the voice of failure starts talking, number one is we listen. In in other words, we listen. We we and let me let me just give you all three of them real quick here. Okay, we listen, we examine, we believe. We listen, we examine, we believe. This is what I mean by listening. Is we listen. We we pick up the news report. Let me give you an example from my own life when. Fifteen years ago, I felt God placing a dream inside of me to be a pastor and to no longer be in the radio industry, but to, to, to transition out of that and, and go into the ministry full time. and and I and I had that voice of failure come to me that said things like this: "You're you're just a DJ, just a DJ. You're too old. You're too, you're too old. You can't get, listen. You have these are actual voices of failure that I heard. You you have no education." Then you got the ministry, you know the ministry, Brad, you know how it works. There's no money in the ministry and you're doing pretty good for yourself here, but why would you step out? Why would you do that to your family? We pick it up and we listen and then we go one step further as we, we examine it. <laughs> we kind of open it up and we, we start reading the story. Oh, maybe, maybe I am too old. Man, I, I can't. I can't afford, I can't afford school. What was I I thinking? I can't afford that. I can't I I can't do that. Nobody's I I remember thinking, nobody's gonna take me seriously. I'm a DJ. Nobody's ever gonna take me seriously. They're not gonna, because that that office, that thing, that anointing, that pastor thing, that's reserved for those other people, not a not a, a guy like me. And then we go right into the next phase where we believe it. We believe the news of failure and that voice of failure. We say, "Man, what was I, what was I thinking? I, I, I can't do this. I can't do this." So here's Nehemiah. He's actually resolute in his dream. He's not going to quit on his dream. If you go back to chapter 1, here's why he's resolute is because he knew that it was a God-given dream. He had fasted, and he had prayed, and he had sought God, and he said, I'm refusing to listen, I'm refusing to examine, and I'm refusing to believe the voice of failure. Because the voice of failure comes to every single person. Whatever your dream is, whatever you want to see happen in your life, that voice of failure is going to come to you. I guarantee it's going to happen. And that voice of failure doesn't just show up in the beginning. It'd be great if he showed up in the beginning and then you stepped out and it stopped, but but he's there all the way through the process, never relenting and never giving up. Look at verse 6. It says this, at last the wall was completed to, to what? Half its height, halfway, halfway to the dream. For the people had worked with, and let's say this with actual enthusiasm, they worked with? All right, yeah, they worked with enthusiasm. There, There's nothing, anybody who's ever had a God-given dream, if you've ever stepped out, like, you, know, you could testify to this, I could bring you up here. If you've ever stepped out into your dream, is there, there's nothing like that feeling of doing what God has put in your heart to do. I mean, it, it just, it feels right. It feels so, it's just captivating. It, it just won't let up on you, and you're like, man, I have to do that, and you're excited about it, and you want to tell people about your dream, and, and you want to write about your dream, and you think about your dream, and you're excited about it, and I would tell you this, if you're not excited about your dream, you need to get another dream, okay, it's, it's like when you take your kids to the fair, you know, like you save all your money. You're real excited about taking your kids to the fair. We're going to the fair. And you save up extra, you know, and you get the ride passes and all that. And the day comes to take them, and they're like, I don't want go. And you're like, no, we're going. I don't go. And you're like, no, we're going, and you're going to have fun all the way to the fair. Now, come on, we're going. We're going to get some cotton candy, and you're going to love it. I mean, you don't like that, do you? You know, you're like, I'm taking you, I'm giving this to you for joy. I'm giving this to you so that it'll bring fulfillment and excitement in your life. And I'm doing this because I love you. That's what God says with your dream. I'm not trying to drag you into something. I have something beautiful for you. I have something great for you. But so many times we're dragged kicking and screaming into our dream, and God doesn't want that. God wants us to be enthusiastic about it. And it tells us in in verse 6 that the people, they were excited. They were excited about rebuilding the wall. It says this, they they worked with enthusiasm. And you got to know that, listen, the devil, he doesn't want you excited about anything. He does not want you excited about anything in your life, let alone the dreams and the purposes and the plans that God has for you. He doesn't want you excited about that. So he's going to come at you with that voice of failure over and over again to try to get you to relent, to try to get you confused, to try to get you downtrodden, to get you to give up on the dream that God has for you. That's what happened with Nehemiah. Every time he would put a brick out there, there would be the enemy and the voice of failure to tell him why it wasn't going to work. You look at verses 7 through 10, I won't read those to you, but Sam Ballot became extremely furious, and we read these just a few moments ago, and he makes this plan, and he's going to attack, and the people hear about this attack, and all of a sudden this voice of failure starts coming on him, and this is understandable because this is a big project. Okay, you need to understand the magnitude. Usually the God-given dream that he gives you is bigger than yourself. If the dream you have you can accomplish on your own, it's not God-given. That's just it in a nutshell. Like if your dream is bigger than you then it's it's a pretty good shot that it's God-given. So when you think of Nehemiah, please don't think of like this was just a nice little rebuilding project. This was this was this wasn't any big deal. He could do this and 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 no big deal. No, this was a huge project. 2.5 miles around. That's how big the walls were. That's what he's building in 52 days. 2.5 miles. The walls were 40 Feet thick. See, when I think of this story, usually what I think about is he's putting one brick up like cinder building a cinder brick brick wall. Like I just think, oh yeah, he's building no, no, 40 feet thick. Then on top of that, he's got to build 34 watchtowers and eight gates, and they're only halfway. They're only halfway done with the project. This is a real low point for Nehemiah. This has got to be a low point. The people are tired, they've come under attack. Failure is imminent. I don't think anybody would blame Nehemiah if he quit. Man, just, this is just, I mean, have you ever had somebody share their dream with you and they tell you all the adversity and all the struggles and everything that they're up against, and you, you just want to tell them, like, I just quit if I were you. That's way too insurmountable. I wouldn't do that. This is where Nehemiah finds himself. But the thing we have to understand about Nehemiah, if Nehemiah's God-given dream was simply to be a contractor, he had to quit a long time before that. But Nehemiah's dream wasn't to be just a contractor. If you go back to chapter 1, you'll see that his his dream was bigger than the wall. His dream was bigger than just being a contractor. His dream was twofold. One was to bring glory to God, and number two was to restore the people, to bring glory to God and to restore the people. If you're taking notes, write this down, because this is what is at the core of a God-given dream, okay? At, At the core... Of every God given dream is loving God and loving people. At the core of every God given dream is loving God and loving people. That's why we say that every single week when we leave. We're gonna say that again today. We say this what? At the core of who we are is what? Loving God and loving people. We say that every week because that has got to be at the core, at the essence of who we are. That's how you know it's a God-given dream. Am I doing this for myself or am I doing this for God? Am I doing it for my benefit or am I doing it for the benefit of others? In, in, in other words, you're, let me just say it this way. You're, you're, not, you're not just a, a dental assistant. That's your position. But your purpose and your reason for being is to bring glory to God and to help others. Okay, you're not just a mom. You're not just a dad. That yeah, yeah, that's your position, but your purpose is to bring God glory, bring Him honor, and to help and restore the, everyone around you. I mean, play it out. Whatever your Dream is, whether you're, you're not just a salesperson, you're not just a, a clerk, you're not just a doctor, you're not just a, a lawyer, you're not uh, just a manager, you're not just a teacher. That's your position, but that's not your purpose. Your purpose is to bring glory to God and help those around you. That's how you know that it's a God-given dream. So let's look at verse 14. Nehemiah says this then I then I looked over the situation which I think this is important anytime you're halfway in and confusion sets in and doubt or struggles and every dream will have them it's important that you stop it's important that you survey the situation it's important that you look around and see what's going on and figure out what you need to do he says I called together the nobles and the rest of the people good idea called some leaders some smart people together and here's what he said to them don't be afraid of the enemy In other words, don't listen to the voice of failure. If I could just say only one thing today for you that I think will help you, and I've lived long enough now, and I've chased after enough dreams and and battled enough villains that I would tell you this simple thing. Don't listen to the voice of failure. Okay? Turn to the person next to you tell them, don't listen. Listen to the voice of failure. Come on, let's do that together. Turn the person and say, don't listen to the voice of failure. You're going to walk out of here today, get in your car, and guess who's going to get in the car with you? The voice of failure. You're going to wake up tomorrow morning and there on your doorstep is going to be what? The voice of failure going to be there. Don't listen. That's what Nehemiah did. He said, don't listen. And he said this. Let's say this together. This is such an important point here, these three words. Remember the Lord. Say that again. Remember the Lord. Turn the person next to you and say, just remember God. Remember God. He is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Listen, here's what I love about Nehemiah. He killed you. He has the voice of failure coming at him, but Nehemiah rises up with the voice of faith. He's like, you're coming at me with the voice of failure. I'm rising up with the voice of faith. This should be a picture of the church. This should be a picture of us, one another. He says, fight for your brothers, your sisters, your wives, and your husbands. Fight for everybody. We should be fighting for one another. We should never come at one another with the voice of failure. This should be the place when you gather in here or when you come to core community or you go into your core group or you're on a serving team and you share with somebody something's going on in your life. You should meet them with the voice of faith. That's what God's calling us to be, all of us, to be Nehemiah, to be that voice of faith. Because I need it, you need it, we all need it. So he says, Don't be afraid. Let me give you, um, I think, three ways that you can drown out the voice of failure. Because it's one thing to say, Don't listen to the voice of failure. Great, thank you. But how can I drown out that voice of failure? Let me just give you three things. I think this will help you. It's helped me tremendously. You want to write these down, put them somewhere where when the voice of failure comes, you can remember to um, act on these things. Number one, Nehemiah said this Don't listen. To the voice of failure, listen to the voice of the Lord. Write that down. Don't listen to the voice of failure. Listen to the voice of the Lord. And Nehemiah backed it up because if you looked at verses 4 and verses 9, it says this. Nehemiah says, then I prayed. And in verse 9 he says, then then we prayed. Nehemiah, listen to the voice of the Lord. When the voice of failure comes, one of the hardest things for you to do is going to be to pray because when the voice of failure comes you're going to want to listen you want to examine you're going to want to believe but when that when that voice comes in instead of listening instead of that first step of listening to the voice of failure you need to stop in that moment acknowledge that's the voice of failure and say no oh, no 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 back up go to prayer in that moment god i pray against this voice of failure in my life I pray against that, and I ask you now to give me wisdom. I ask you to tell me and show me what to do. It's the hardest thing to do, but it's what you've got to do in that moment is listen to the voice of the Lord. Number two, don't examine the voice of failure. Examine the Lord's faithfulness. Don't examine the voice of failure. Examine the Lord's faithfulness. Remember, you're going to want to read the story. You're going to want to examine it. You're going to kind of want to sit in it. That's what happens to us. We listen, and then we just kind of of sit in it, and we just kind of let it kind of wash over us, that failure. We just start thinking about it and start basking in it. No, 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 no. In that moment, you got to stand against that, and you got to remember and examine the faithfulness of the Lord. That's what Nehemiah is saying here to the people is remember the Lord. What he means by that is do you remember all the good stories? Remember all the victories we've had? Remember Abraham, remember the promise of the land, remember that we were slaves in Egypt and remember God set us free, remember when we were wandering in the desert and God gave us manna and he fed us every single day, remember those walls of Jericho, do you remember those walls, do you remember us marching around them and what happened, those walls fell, remember, you won't want to remember when the voice of failure comes but you've got to have things you hold on to. When God, let me tell you this, this is what I've done and I've practiced for decades. When God comes through, when God gives you a victory, write it down. Share it with your kids. Figure out a way to remember. I have journals. If I stacked them up here, my journals would probably be this tall, full of the faithfulness of God full of my prayers, full of my crying out to him, where I can go, man, there was that time that God came through. What was that time I did? I I think it was 2004. I don't remember when. And I'll go back to my journals, and I'll look through my journals. I go, that's it right there. Yes, God did come through. If you walked into my office and you looked at two pictures on my wall, you wouldn't know what they are. You'd be like, oh, those are beautiful pictures of core church. Those are so nice. You should put a scripture with that pastor, and that would be nice. Sell it at Mardell's. That would be awesome. But those pictures to me are life-giving hope. Because when I look at those pictures, they're a representation of two different times that God was faithful to me. If you were to go open up the desk drawer of my office right now and you opened it up, you would see a copy of two different checks that our church has received in the last few years that were miracle checks and I make copies of those so that when I get discouraged and when that voice of failure comes towards me and comes my way I can just open up my desk drawer and there is the faithfulness of God I remember you got to have some ways that you remember the faithfulness of God because you will forget you won't remember you've got to find a way to remember and here's the third one don't believe the voice of failure believe in the Lord don't believe the voice of failure. Believe in the Lord. This phrase that Nehemiah uses when he says, Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. What that means literally is there is nothing bigger than our God. It means there is nothing greater than our God. There is nothing higher than our God. There is nothing louder than than our God. That's the actual meaning. Those are words that you can put in there. What does that mean? If our God is, there, if there's nothing that is louder than our God, listen. That's the only thing that's going to drown out the voice of failure, is the voice of God. So, what's your dream? Are, are you listening to the voice of failure? Or are you listening to the voice of faith? Let's pray together. God, all over this room are dreams, hopes, and dreams of people that desperately want to believe for that God-given dream that you, you placed in their heart to do. Maybe today you've been listening to that voice of failure and today you say, man, Brett, I, I just need to start practicing listening to the voice of faith. I need to shut down the voice of failure. I've been listening. I've been letting them deliver the news to my doorstep over and over again. I've listened, I've examined, and I found myself believing the voice of failure. But today I want to rise up in the voice of faith and I just need God to help me to believe. I need to hear His voice. If that's you, would you just raise your hand so I know who you are, how I can pray for you. Okay, thank you. Yeah, all over the place. Awesome, thank you so much. Thank you. God, for these people who are struggling to hear the voice of the living God, speak loud. You are great and you are glorious. I pray in Jesus' name that your voice would drown out the voice of failure and the voice of faith would rise again once again in their life to give them hope and to give them victory if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ all heads bowed, nobody looking around maybe today is your day you say, man, Brad, I I feel defeated in my life (laughs) what is a God-given dream I don't even have a relationship with God I want to invite you into that relationship with him today. There is forgiveness for your sin. There is a second chance, a new opportunity for you today. Don't listen to that voice of failure that says, you're a sinner. You need to die in that sin. You deserve death for what you've done. And that truth of that is yes, but because of Jesus, he provides a way for us to have victory over our sin. Don't listen to that voice of failure today. Maybe today is your day where you say, I'm not a follower of Jesus, Brad, and today I want to get a God-given dream. I need him to rise up in me. It begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're far from God. Maybe Maybe for you today, you walked with Jesus at one time, but you've been far from him for a long time. Maybe today you want to rededicate your life to Jesus. I'm coming back, God. I'm coming back to you. I'm tired of running. My way is not working. I just want you to simply make this your prayer. Father, forgive me. I've gone my own way, and it has not worked. My dreams are self-centered. My dreams are all about me. My dreams are not working. I want to live for you. Would you birth a dream in me? Today, I turn from my sin. Today, I choose to follow you. And I thank you for that promise that if I confess my sin, that you forgive my sin and that you give me the spirit of God in my life to walk with me. Thank you for that, Jesus. You made that your prayer today. Would you just slip up your hand so I know who you are? You rededicated your life. I got you over here. Anybody else I rededicated or I gave my life to Jesus today? Over here on the side, I see two different people over here. Anybody else made a commitment to follow Jesus down here near the front and the middle? God, for these people who have made a commitment to follow you today or rededicate their life, give them hope, give them life, give them an assurance of their salvation and your love for them now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God a big hand clap for the life change today. Amen.